It is Thanksgiving week, as some would like to call it American Thanksgiving week. And Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Pilgrims podcast is here. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the illustrious, the fantastic, and, and perhaps the one that I'm most thankful for in the hockey world. And of course, that is Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, my dear friend. I, I am so thankful for our audience, which is continuing to grow. Believe me, growing massively, hugely, huge. Uh, things that are not growing. Faith in the Flyers over these last few games. And we are recording this uh, coming right off the heels of the Flyers' uh, 5-2 loss to the Buffalo Sabres, which was uh, a lot of things. And we're going to break that down as well as uh, some of the games since the last time that we recorded. So, uh, Anthony, why don't you take it away? Well, for 40 minutes, the Flyers were a pretty darn good hockey team against the Buffalo Sabres. It's a shame they were behind four to nothing at the time that that 40 minutes began. Because the first period, Russ, against Buffalo may have been the worst period any team in the NHL has played this season. It was that poor. And it's all, all around. Look, Alex Lyon got the start and goal tonight. Uh, you know we like Alex Lyon from our interview from, with him this summer. Um, friend of the show. Friend of the show. He was terrible. He got yanked after the first period, uh, faced 12 shots, made eight saves, but gave up, I believe, two of the, of the four goals were juicy rebounds. Um, one was not as bad a rebound, but the puck still lived in front of the net. And then he got beat on a bad angle shot that he definitely should have saved. But the play in front of him was as bad as I've ever seen. I mean, the Flyers are, have had bad play in front of the goalie. All this season, uh, for much of the playoffs last year, last season, season before, I mean, since Haxtell's been the coach, we've seen a lot of bad play in front of the goaltender. But what took place against Buff- the Buffalo Sabres was an abject embarrassment. There was so much... Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. They, they turn the puck over everywhere. Neutral zone, own zone, offensive end. They, wherever they were, they were turning the puck over. And then they were caught so out of position. There were times when you had three guys in the same spot and another guy gets up. I mean, Jeff Skinner is the leading goal scorer in the NHL. He gets into the high slot, unmarked for the first goal of the game. No one goes near him. It's the leading goal scorer in the NHL, unmarked. Puck comes right to him, easy goal. It's it's really unacceptable. And they're saying that. I mean, yeah, yeah, Giroux says it. It's unacceptable. We have big two games coming up here. You do. You do. But guess what? You're 9-10-2 now. You've lost 12 of 21. You're closer to the bottom of the standings than you are the top of the standings. This happens year over year over year. Go back and look at Hackstall's uh, tenure as coach and look at where they are after 21 games. It's the same story. It's, it's, it's lather, rinse, repeat, man. It's the same thing over and over again. Hey, but I will tell you this. Here's one thing that happened in the first period that hasn't happened all year long. There was a fight, Russ. Yay. <laughs> Scott Lawton got into a fight. First fight of the season. Um, that was with seven seconds left after they were behind four to nothing. So, yeah. 
Uh, when you can't win with the sticks, you win yeah. without the gloves. But you know, but no, it is this, and I will say, you know, I mean, so the fight happens. They go into intermission, and they come out in the second period, and they're really good in the second period for both the Bulls. And then third period, they controlled the play most of the third period. Just couldn't uh, couldn't cash one in, and then the Sabers got an empty net goal to make it five to two. Um, but you know, in the second period, the one thing that I really liked about the way they were playing is they were playing a more physical style. That's not to say, oh, it's fighting. They were they were not letting Buffalo come out of the zone easy or come into the zone easy. There was a lot of physical contact. There was a lot of physical play along the wall. Um, it was really, really good stuff to see them try and take over a game playing that way and then really kind of get, you know, getting puck possession. That way. I really think that that's a way that that works for this team. They just don't do it. I don't know why they don't do it. And I'm not sitting here telling you, Russ, that they need to go out there and start banging heads all over the place. But they need to, in order to play with their tempo, they need to play with a more physical style. They cannot be so passive with the puck or passive around the puck. And that's part of the problem. It just doesn't seem like they have the personnel. Well, they don't have the defensive personnel. I mean, they don't have a goalie. I mean, they've, they've started four goalies for the first time in a, in a season. It's only 21 games into the season. Uh, but they've started four goalies in a season for the first time si- since, uh, I think, 1990-91 might be the last time it was. I think that's what they said on the broadcast. Um, I do remember there was one season where they had more than that dressed, but the only but they didn't start for more than four guys uh, in a season since 1991. Um, and of the four, Elliott's passable, and the rest are not. And so, therefore, this is what you have. This is what this team is, you know, goaltending. I don't care what your system is, you know, what the, what the, what the structure is that you're trying to play. I don't care what analytics will tell you in the end in hockey. If you don't have a a good goalie, you're not going to win. That's just plain and simple. Right. I mean, I, I think that that's a, everything else, you can have everything else trending in the right way. If your goalie's subpar, you're not going to win. So it starts there. The team defense, and it's not just the group of players on defense that are defensemen, but team defense is dreadful. Um, then they turn the puck over too much. Oh, guess what? They gave up another goal on the penalty kill tonight. Another one, right? Yeah, that, you know that wonderful PK continues to struggle. Didn't score on the power play. I mean, it's it's the same story every game, win or lose. It's the same story every game. Because they win games playing like this, too, which is fascinating to me. They can be so inconsistent and, and still win uh, a, a good number of games. So it's not necessarily about they're not being, you know, I don't necessarily think it's just a talent thing, so to speak. But it's it's certainly a um, it's certainly a situation where the talent that they have doesn't come through the way it needs to. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and um, you know, listening to the post-game remarks and the post-game questions that were asked in the scrum around Hack, uh, around Hackstall. You know, one of them was, "Oh, you know," or I th- it was either with Hackstall or it was Giroux. And that doesn't really matter at this point. The question was brought up, you know, "Oh, well, isn't it disappointing that you know you couldn't carry the momentum from from your last game, from the overtime game against Tampa Bay?" And it's like, well, can we like let's be honest for a second? The the Flyers had that one moment they scored four four goals in what was it six and a half minutes 
which never happens. I mean, like the 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 occurrences of that in hockey over the last like five years, I would be fascinated to to pull the stats. We didn't do it for this show. Maybe we'll do it for the next one. But it's so rare to score that many goals in that short of time. And like, yeah, is there something to be said for the fact that the the team in third period against Tampa Bay look like a totally different team. They look like a team that wasn't overthinking. They just look like a, a group of guys who went out and decided that they were going to just kind of put it out on the line and, and get out of their own heads. Yeah. I mean, that, that was great. Did it look like after they scored their third goal in that game, they look like a, a bunch of guys believe they had momentum and, and were going to go on and win that game. Yeah, of course they did. They end up losing it in overtime and you know, it's a bummer. You feel like you're, you're, you know, about to have this like shift of, of momentum, you know, coming into that game, you had lost two consecutive at home to Florida and, and Jersey. And it, it felt like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we're going to be able to get this thing set, right? Go on the road against a, a Sabres team. That's, you know, ahead of them in the standings and, and then, you know, go into the holiday with, um, you know, knowing that you were going to host the Rangers. You had a game against Maple Leafs senators, like all that. You had these games ahead of you and the, the Penguins, obviously to, to start December, you wanted to get some momentum behind you, fine. But you still didn't win that game. And and I know that you can take positives out of a loss, but you still lost the game. And you lost that game primarily because you fell behind. You fell behind by four goals. And so, you know, like, I, I try not to get annoyed by the questions that some people ask in these scrums, but it's like, that to me isn't isn't something that, that I think should be asked. Because ultimately, it's still a loss. Um, is there a carryover effect? I don't know, like maybe, but you're also, what, four days later? Is there really going to be that much momentum carrying through? And so it doesn't even matter all that much. Like maybe if anything, it's just, isn't it embarrassing that you go out on the, on the road here and you know that you need a good start. And when you were winning games, you were, you were scoring the first goal of the game. Like, doesn't this say something about this team, this locker room, this coach, this coaching staff? We have the same conversations. I mean, we, you can pretty much put on any episode uh, that we've done this season, and it's the same thing. Hell, you can even go back to stuff that we did last season. It's a lot of the same things. The PK is a disaster. The, they don't score on the power play. They come out flat in games. I, I listened to Hackstall in this in this um, post-game press conference say, well, you know, we had a good start in the last three games. Did you? Like, did did you really? Because what, what I continue to see is a team – that looks like they've reverted back to what they were to start the season and look is nothing like the team that went 5-0-1. Yeah, uh, you're right. Um, yeah, so when you think about it, they have now basically erased the goodwill that they had on that road trip. Yep. Right? I mean, they've erased which is, it. Which is what we said we hoped wouldn't happen. Right. So they're right back basically having gone 0 3 and 1 in the last four. Um, they're right back where they were heading on to that road trip. And so when Giroux says the next two games are big games, you think he senses something? Why is it the next two and not the next three or the next five or the next whatever? Why is it the next two games are big games? Dunno, man. Right? There's, it's only a few things that can really change. So, I mean, when you look at the calendar, you play the Rangers Friday uh, at home, and then they go to Toronto on Saturday, which is a really bad matchup for them. Um, then they get two days off. They have Ottawa at home. 
and then they get three days off before they go to Pittsburgh. You have one game in a week. Do these next two games dictate, and we've had this conversation before too, Russ, but do these next two games, and we talked about this when they headed into that road trip, are these next two games as important as that road trip was for the coach or for a player, you know, a, a part of the core that make a significant, you know, a significant trade of some kind coming up right after Thanksgiving? I mean, that's the big question. And to hear, when you hear, you know, you never really hear guys talk about a collection of games. Some, it's always the next game is the big, you know, an important game, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, oh, this next month is important or this next week is important, whatever. You never really hear them say, we have two big games coming up. Why is it two? Like that to me tells me that they think something's coming. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm I reading. It. Maybe I'm reading into it. But that's what. That's I kind of think it might be. I, and maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm looking at it. It's it's a division game on Black Friday. That's a big game. It's always a big game. And the Maple Leafs like that's going to be a big game. It's like uh, you know maybe maybe it is something slipping there, it, in him either sensing it or him knowing it or somebody having confided something in him that the next two you know really do mean something. But I. I don't know. I have part of me thinks that, that this is reading into it, and then part of me is like, yeah, you know, it's it's not totally unfathomable that somebody confided into him that like something doesn't happen, like something has to give. But then, you know, this is why I said coming off of, or going into the West Coast uh, trip and then coming out of it, I said, you know, you can't you can't overreact one way or another to how this goes because they were playing so poorly going into that trip. That it's like, okay, well, if you come out with some decent results, then, like, does that buy everybody time? Like, maybe. But if if you're at a spot where the West Coast trip was going to dictate whether or not you made a big trade, you traded a Jake Voracek or a Wayne Simmons or both, or you considered firing your coach, or Comcast Spectacore got so fed up that they decided to just outright clean house. If they were that close, potentially, before the West Coast swing, you know, why should a couple good results negate all of that? And I think that was that was the part that I struggled the most with. And obviously, I'm happy, uh, you know, as as a, a lifelong fan of the team. And I would much rather go into a happy locker room after these games than a than a down one. But, you know, you go out and you have a great stretch like five oh and one isn't easy to do, especially going on a West Coast swing like that and playing against some of the teams they played against. Like, it's not easy to do in this league. It's not something that everybody, you know, manages to do with consistency, with regularity. It felt like they might have been turning a corner. And now you see them just kind of go back and revert to this. And you just kind of have to question, look, I know a lot of fans question this group of, of leaders in the locker room. They question the, the captain. They, they question Voracek. They, they question pretty much any vet on this team. And I, I don't know. I honestly can't say we're not in there when they have a players only meeting. We're not in there in the immediate aftermath when we hear these guys bantering back and forth. We don't know how well. And this is the thing that I've questioned. I think you know I've said to you, I don't think I've said on the show before, but I do kind of wonder if you're a younger player and you're looking around this locker room and let's say the coach isn't motivating or you're being held accountable as a young player. And then you see that the two special teams coaches on this team uh, you know, in charge of the, of the penalty kill and of the power play aren't getting results and nothing is changing with them, or at least to, to us as, 
as media or as fans, we're not seeing any changes. Perhaps there's been a, a changing of who's responsible or how much responsibility you know it, you know lies with both Knobloch and and um, Leperrier. You know, I, I think as a player, you kind of have to say, all right, well, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of accountability there. Nothing's really changed. Do I do I now start to tune out Giroux? Do I now start to tune out this vet group? Do I tune out this coaching staff? And do I just do what's best for me? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking that that's what it is. Because I even go back to weeks ago when Scott Lawton said, you know, we're, we're cheating. We're all cheating. Everybody's trying to cut corners to get themselves set up in, in a lane to go on a, on a counterattack to get their breakaway almost like you know implying that everybody just wants to have their moment i I think it's a selfish team i really do there are parts there there are certain players and certain plays when i think this guy these guys are selfless i asked taxed all that in a post-game press conference about um when nolan patrick passed up the opportunity to force it to uh to voracek for the uh or to couturier for the hat trick like those things were selfless but i look at other guys on the team and I'm, i'm thinking like do I really think they're buying in? No. I think if they did, they would be playing harder for each other. We wouldn't see this kind of apathy to start games. I don't know. I know well, I'm saying a lot. I know it's a lot of points. I know. No, I'm and, it, and like, your your points are very. It's, it's really frustrating. Your points are valid, and here's the thing. I mean, optimists will sit there and say, "Well, they're only nine, ten, and two. It's not that awful of a record. It's they're not. they're only five points out of a playoff spot, which is not a lot." Um. But I will tell you this, they're only ahead of one team in the Eastern Conference. They're ahead of Florida by one point. Florida has <laughs> Florida has two games in hand. Okay. There are twenty-two of the twenty-two of the um, thirty-one teams in hockey have played at least twenty-one games. There's still some that are behind, less you know, trailing that. They've played nineteen or twenty. Um, actually I think there's one team that's played even less than that, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, 19, 20, or 19 is the lowest. Okay. So but there's 22 teams who've played 21 games. The Flyers have the worst record of those 22 teams. So that means even though they're ahead of other teams in the, I'm sorry, Vegas, Vegas is the only one that's behind. I lied. Vegas has 20 points. The Flyers, they have the same number of points. Or Vegas has 19 points. Flyers have 20. Um, so Vegas is behind. But they're 21st out of 22. Okay. That's that's bad. They're, you're, they're t- we're talking about a team who is at the bottom of the league. It's not good. Special teams are a disaster. Goaltending is a disaster. Team defense is a disaster. They have the sixth worst goal differential in the NHL. It's they're minus eleven through twenty one games. That's it's it's just bad right now. It's a bad bad team and something. Has to give. I don't know what Ron Hextall's waiting for, and if he's really hardcore about keeping the coach, okay. I'm not a fan of that idea, but okay. Then you got to do something with the roster. But to just sit there and let the same thing happen every night is mind-numbing. I, I've not, I've never seen this before. Let's just put it that way. Like at least when the Sixers were tanking. You knew there was purpose behind it, right? They were, I didn't agree with it, but they were, you knew they were losing on purpose or trying to lose. Not necessarily losing on purpose, but trying to lose so that they could put themselves in a better position to get a better pick. Flyers aren't doing that. Flyers aren't trying to be bad, and yet they are. 
So at that point, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And yet here, here they sit, like Nero, fiddling while everything burns around. <laughs> that was good. I like that. That was, that was well done. Thank you. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to pick up from there. Um, I, I don't. Wow. That, that's the thing, Russ. Like we we can. I think we're going to wrap this up early tonight. Like I, you know, usually we have like this long diatribe. We have an hour long show. Uh, we do all kinds of fun stuff and everything else. We're 21 minutes into the show, 22 minutes into the show, and we got nothing else to talk about because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And that's what the, like, when will they understand that? I mean, you know, you keep talking about there being empty seats and there are empty seats. And I know we argue about what the actual number of people are that are in the building. And, you know, I think that you are, you're a little facetious with your, with your number, but at the same time, you're not right. I know you're not right. I'm certainly right. No, okay. Um, but you're not where you're not wrong is that the number is dwindling. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And you know, go on StubHub and look where you if you want to buy tickets to a Flyers home game. On day of the game, you can get lower level seats for thirty, thirty-five dollars. These are tickets that normally go for 120, 125, 130, 150, whatever. You're getting them for pennies on the dollar. And why is that? Because the fans have recognized that this is, is this is bad. And the organization continues to sit there and twiddle their thumbs and not do anything about it. And that's what the most maddening thing is. It, you know, either you get either you start winning or just blow it up and be really bad, but at least you're starting over. But to sit there and continue to be smack dab in the middle mediocre and not really improve over the course of the last five years what are you doing what's the purpose of that that doesn't that doesn't register with anyone i i i don't i don't i don't have an answer i don't have an answer and i nor do i think the flyers have an answer which is why we keep hearing things like well they're still looking for their identity bs man they're not looking for anything they can't find an identity because this is them this is what they are their identity is as a boring, mediocre hockey team. That's all they are. They will not be anything more until something changes. So let's go with, let's let's go with that. Obviously, we're expecting you know some kind of move has to happen, or or maybe not. We're expecting it. We're we're essentially demanding it, right? Like as a as a collective between I, I don't know how much of the media cares, but I think we care, and I think that the fans care. So let, let's look at it. Hextall's job is safe, one would assume, unless he's unwilling to fire the coach and Comcast Spectacore says you have to. Um, so, so it really is going to come down to, do you make a trade, which is going to rattle you know, the locker room, which I, I would say you know, there, there was enough evidence here and Hextall's comments uh, a few games ago, and we talked about this on the last show, but the fact that he had mentioned that you know, they can't pay attention to what's going on the other side of the glass, clearly referencing the... Uh, the fans at in Wells Fargo Center and the way that they react to this team. Um, I you know if if you see a, a trade of Wayne Simmons or, or Jake Voracek, I think you're going to shake this this group to the core. I don't know if they're tough enough mentally to deal with that. Um, if you fire the coach, what are we expecting? You know if if it's just going to be an internal hire, is that an internal hire going to make some changes to the PK and to the power play units? They're going to keep those assistants in place. If you go out of the organization to hire a coach, 
you know, Joel Quinville's still out there. There have been other positions filled. Ken Hitchcock got hired. Um, like, is Quenville just waiting for this job? You know, what was it? The St. Louis job was was out there for the taking. Um, like, are we thinking that, like, if a Quenville gets hired, is it, does he have a, a group of guys ready to go to come in here and, and just totally, you know, replace everybody on, on the staff? Could such a, a, a changeover in, in coaching benefit this team? Or is it going to just throw the thing deeper into chaos? Like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I get the idea that, you know, a change has to be made or a change should be made. And it's not just for the sake of change. It's, it's because the team is mediocre at best. But I don't know how this team would react to any of it. And even if, even if I were to, to suspend the reality or suspend my perception of, of what I think this team is and the, the group that they are, uh, you know, in a collective mentality... To think that, oh yeah, you know what, this will give them the kick in the ass they need. Like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's there. I really don't. I genuinely don't know if it's going to make a difference. I mean, what happens? You, you trade Wayne Simmons. Are you really going to get much value? Probably not. You're going to get back an impact guy. Like you were saying, they need to play a more physical brand of hockey. Well, he's one of your most physical players. So if he's gone, who's going to step up in his stead? Are you going to trade him for a, for a grinder? For like another third, fourth line guy? You know what I mean? Like, are you going to trade him for somebody who's going to be a finesse guy to come in here, not add any kind of toughness on a four check? Or are we talking about somebody that's not going to get into the uh, high chance areas and, and get into, um, you know, in, into some dirty play to, to force a goal across to change the momentum of a game? Like, I, I don't see that either. If you trade Jake Voracek, you're losing a primary playmaker. You know, if he's off this team, where's the creativity coming from? And so, like, I, I don't know if schematically any of this works, even if you do make that trade. Uh, you know, making a small trade, a small tweak to this roster isn't going to do anything. If you make a change at, at coach, like, I don't know. Do we really genuinely think? And, and maybe this is something that, that we really should talk about. But as, as a fan base, as media, do we genuinely think that there is so much untapped potential here that making a coaching change now is going to jolt this team and unlock this hidden level of skill that has not been reached by this coach. I'm not so sure that it exists. No, you're you're probably right. In all honesty, um, I, I think maybe some of the players that the Flyers have on this roster, who were deemed to be these great prospects coming in, uh, are are not living up to the potential. Um, that doesn't mean that they're bad players. Because um, they're not, but it, they may not be as good as everyone kind of championed them to be. Um, so yeah, so there is that. But I will say that I, if you're asking me, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. In other words, I don't think you just make a change for the coach because if you bring in a new coach and you keep the same twenty guys on the roster, uh, you're probably not going to get much different. You might get a little bit better, but you may, you're, you know, on the whole, you're going to be probably the same. I think there has to be multiple things here. A new coach would be great, but so would making a move that changes the face of the team, changes the culture of the team, changes the approach of the team. I think those two things are hand in hand. Who's it going to be, though? You know what I mean? Like, that's a great question. Like, are, are they going to get in on, on Nylander? Are they going to get in on – like, there, there were rumors out there again that Tarasenko might be available. Like – 
What's it going to cost to go out and get a guy like Tarasenko? I don't necessarily know if that's those are the guys that you're chasing because those are those guys. If they get traded and when they get traded, they will go to teams who are contenders. I don't think you're going to make a move. I don't think anybody's trading. You know, if you're trading Jake Voracek, let's just say. I mean, I like I told you a month ago, Voracek um, is a guy that I think that they would. You know, I've been told that they would move. Um, if if it gets to that point, you're not trading Jake Voracek to get Tarasenko or Nylander. You're trading Jake Voracek to get younger pieces who you can put into the lineup in multiple places to try and get better in you know in more than one spot. I, I'm not certain that bringing uh, going Voracek for a Tarasenko or a Nylander is get you get you any get you any further on the path. Yeah. Nylander's a young star, you know, up and coming star star player, but is he going to put up the same kind of point production that Vorchek's put up over the last few years? Yeah, maybe eventually, but not not right away. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that Tarasenko fits that fits the mold any better than what you ha- as from what you have here. Like, so I I think if you're going to move somebody like that, you're moving them to give younger people an opportunity. I think that's admitting that there's something wrong with the team and it needs a new direction. There are, plenty, I think, of, there are it, plenty of fans who've been calling for years. I mean, it, it, we're probably in what year three of the questioning of is Claude Giroux the, the guy to uh, lead this team forward or is it time to just do a full teardown? I think it's so easy for fans. Again, like we've talked ad nauseum at this point about the misconception that exists I know that the Sixers and the Flyers play in the same season. And so people like to make the comparison to the process and to Sam Hinkie and tearing the whole thing down. But, you know, you draft a kid number one overall, unless he's Markel Fultz, you expect him to come in and make an immediate impact and be a, a difference maker on the court. With hockey, hockey's more like baseball. It takes years to see a return on your investment, to see a return on that player, unless they're a generational talent. Unless there's somebody like a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby or a kid who, you know, just blows the doors off right from from the get go, like Austin Matthews did. Like, unless you end up with one of those guys, you know, you're you're still years away. So even if you are to, to trade Giroux or, or Voracek or whomever, you know, whatever value you're going to get back probably isn't going to be that guy immediately. So, you know, are fans really that hell bent on tearing this thing down and and seeing it be awful for the next three, four years. And by the way, if you do that, you're not getting a guy like Joel Quenville to come in here and get the things, you know, to get this thing built. He's what, 60, 60, 61. Is he going to come in for three years to do a rebuild? Is he even the guy to do it? Like, these are all questions that I think fans really have to, to contemplate here because unless you're going to fully bottom out and try to get that stud, in the next year's draft to come in and, and write the ship next year. I just don't see it. They're too good to be that bad. And they're too bad to be a cup contender. They're just, they're mediocre. And it sucks. It does. <laughs> it sucks to, to watch it. when we have to do it every game, Russ, every yeah. game you and me. Well, anyway, um, I, we need to wrap this puppy up. I, I, you know, I, I have somewhere to be. <laughs> so, it's so, so late. It's yeah, so late. No, no it's, it has more to do with my children than than it does me going anywhere fun. Bless them. They're a yeah. blessing. It's Thanksgiving. 
Yes. Um, but I do want to say that uh, I want to leave a little teaser out there for the listeners. We have reached out to the team to procure a guest for Snow the Goalie that would be um, a very unique guest uh, that in, in the sense that it's someone who has not done these podcasts before. And uh, not just ours, but really any Flyers podcast for that matter. Well, um, we are the only Flyers podcast. So. <laughs> and we've gotten a, uh, a yes back from the team. However, we can't say who it is um, or when it's going to be because there is a little bit of um, I, what, I, what, I, what I will call the language of delay. Uh, and the language of delay basically means that they, the, the person has agreed to come on our show, but that they need certain things to happen first involving the hockey team, not involving us, but involving the team before we can actually go over to Voorhees and record the interview. With that said, we will have a cool interview for you. I just can't say if it's going to be the next episode. It might be the episode after that. We'll see, but it will depend upon a lot. Depend a lot upon what happens with this team over the course of the next few games. How's that? Is that I fair? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let the speculation reign. We won't <laughs> confirm or deny on Twitter, but feel free to reach out to us. And uh, yeah, it. All I can say is it will be. In theory, it would be very, uh, very interesting. Yeah. I don't know if someone would 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 saying controversial as a guest would that stoke the flames? It could be. That's the way I would describe it. Controversial. Controversial. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's that's that. Uh, we will leave you with that. Uh, many of you are probably listening to this either on Thanksgiving, uh, looking for respite to uh, get away from the family, from the kids, from. Uh, your screaming families at the table, or perhaps you're listening to it after Thanksgiving, in which case we hope the uh, holiday was good if you're listening on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, As I said off the top of the show, we have many things to be thankful for. I am thankful for a wonderful co-host who has the ability to uh, reach out to the team and uh, have them actually respond to him and uh, you know, line up guests that uh, I think people want to hear from. And um, I'm thankful for our listener base, which, as I mentioned off the top, continues to grow. Uh, it's always funny to me when we find out how people find out about the show. I put this stuff out on, you know, it goes on Twitter, it goes on Facebook, it goes on the website. Um, but we actually have a five-star review, Anthony. And it was, and it was uh, an interesting one. I think it kind of speaks to this. Um, it's by and I don't know how to say this name. It's like Nrotindo. I'm sorry. I said I probably messed up your name, and that's not good. I would bet you it's N Rotindo. Sure, N Rotindo. Hey there, N Rotindo. How are you? Um, so glad I found this. Five stars. Stumbled upon this on Twitter. It's so awesome to hear flyers talk from people that know what they are talking about. Well, I appreciate that, N Rotindo. Assuming that is your real name. Um, it's just like anything else. If you want the content to continue to be good, you want to continue to hear from from players, from people within the organization, um, the best way to do it is to continue to go on to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Um, the rating is awesome, but the review also helps, and that'll help us uh, climb those, uh, those leaderboards. And of course, we're the only Flyers podcast, so I don't know uh, how 
there could even be a leaderboard. We we pretty much are the leader. We are the worldwide leader in Flyers content. But um, go on there, leave a five star rating, five star review. Let people know in your life who are looking for you know uh, Flyers hockey talk that they can find out about Snow the Goalie. Can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else they get their podcasts. Anybody who complains to you, I wish they talked about the Flyers on Sports Talk Radio. Why would you want that when you can control the pacing and listening whenever you want to Snow the Goalie? Uh, don't forget, Friday, Anthony and I will be down there, Black Friday, for uh, Flyers, Rangers. Hopefully, the black won't be uh, the pit of despair that we'll feel in our hearts and minds as we watch uh, this team take the ice against a, uh, a team that, quite frankly, um, I never go into a game with confidence, thinking they're going to come out with a win against the Rangers. But we will be down there. We'll be doing the Press Row show live from Press Row before the game at the first and second intermissions uh, on the Crossing Broad Facebook page, as well as on Anthony's Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. So make sure you check that out. In the description of this show, you can find uh, links to the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, and you can click immediately, directly, on my Twitter handle or Anthony's Twitter handle. Follow us on Twitter, all that jazz, and uh, interact with us. Let, let us know what you think about the show. You can throw out your guesses for who this mystery guest could be. And uh, until the next time we speak... We will, uh, we'll, you know, we'll come back. We'll come back rejuvenated for the next episode, regardless, and including a who's that flyer. But uh, until then, until Friday, when we see you on the Press Row Show, that's Anthony at Ant San Philly. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Anthony, anything else you want to be, you uh, want to say before we uh, head out for the holiday? I'm thankful for you, Russ. Stop. Stop. That's it. I, I'm not going to say why. I'm just thankful for you. Oh, you're so sweet. All right. This is Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Pilgrims podcast, the Providence podcast, the please go out and get a win this Friday podcast.